dispatch to all units. This is a third alarm. Switch to the TAC channel. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the TAC channel. I'm your host, Heath Meredith. This is the Third Alarm Cowboys podcast. This is the podcast for firefighters. We talk about real-life problems, real-life solutions, everything from in the station to at your house, leadership, promotions, you name it, we talk about it. Things that uh, aren't always necessarily the most popular stuff, but things that need to be talked about. Just want to jump on here and tell everybody I am absolutely blown away by the response we've gotten on uh, launching our our shirt sales. Uh, It's been absolutely phenomenal. (laughs) They're going so fast and just just within a couple of days. So if y'all are, if you're interested in getting a shirt, we have our Third Alarm Cowboys podcast shirt. It's pretty badass. It's got an American flag type logo on the back. And then we also have the Third Alarm fighter, RJ Nett, his uh, sponsorship t-shirt where it has his logo for his um, his professional boxing logo is on the back of the shirt and then the tech team logo on the front. And basically the short story on that is, is we are taking all the proceeds we get from that and helping him out with all of his training for his professional boxing. He's just like us, you know, he's a, he's a full-time firefighter at a uh, fire department in the Houston, Texas area uh, where he's a captain, but even as a captain, you don't always make enough money to afford what it takes to pay for everything outside of, of the fire service in your personal life. So we're locking arms with him and, and helping him out. And with that being said, one new thing that we're kind of venturing into is really helping him with all of his promotions. His pro boxing debut a few weeks ago was absolutely phenomenal. He got a first round knockout uh, right at, I believe, a minute 34 into the fight. It was <laughs> it was an absolutely amazing night. I know a lot of you have seen the pictures and stuff. If you haven't, go and check out the Facebook, check out the Instagram. We posted a lot of pictures. And, uh, of course, we had the video of the fight. Still working on uploading uh, some new stuff as far as all that goes. But one thing that's going to be coming down the pipe on that is we are going to make a actual Facebook page specifically for him. So for all of those of you out there that are you know, following us, for updates and everything on him, it'll be easier to find because I know on the on the Third Alarm Cowboys regular pages, I post a lot of actual fire department stuff, and it's not specifically focused around just RJ and his uh, fight career. So we are going to be making a page that's going to be a little easier for you to follow just him specifically and allow us to promote for him better just specifically from that page. So we're looking at lots of events. Gonna be We're talking with um, some of the – other fight promoters that are putting on the actual the professional boxing fights in and around Houston and other places, talking to them, going to see about getting a vendor's booth set up so we can uh, you know, actually sell the merchandise and stuff for him there at the fight, make it a little easier for people to get. Going to be looking at taking him on on the road to some other events and stuff and really help promote and getting it out. You know, he's a he's a captain, he's a firefighter just like us. And but he's out chasing his dreams and in the professional boxing world. So it's pretty important for us to help him out. He's got his sole focus on fighting. So basically, for those of you that don't know the way the the boxing world is, the way that the fighters get paid is basically by how many asses are in the seats at the at the fights. So the the more people that we can start getting to come into these fights the last turnout was absolutely phenomenal but the more people the better it is for all the fighters we're just working on trying to do that and building in that direction but back to the t-shirts um i just really can't even describe how awesome the uh the turnaround was yeah huge shout out to fdt uniform screen print and embroidery out of new caney that's uh Chief Howard Reinwald, I know a lot of you know him. He's pretty big in the uh, fire service training world, travels the country, and, and teaching a lot of badass classes. Well, this is his way. He started a company. You know, I mean, he's just like all of us as well. Firefighter salaries are, are good, even if, you know, all the way up at the chief spot. But sometimes it's not enough whenever you've got a family and everything like that. So he's branched out and doing shirts and hats, you name it, he can do it. He's been doing a lot of uniforms for fire departments around the Houston area, doing a lot of business shirts and everything like that. So contacted him and and he'd had an awesome turnaround on the shirts for us. Got them exactly like we wanted them and they turned out really badass. They're the uh 
like the soft cotton feel where they feel really good. They fit really good. Uh, and I'm just overall overwhelmed on how amazing they turned out and how quick we were able to get them in. So if y'all, uh, you know, your department, your union, anything like that, if you got a business and you're looking for somebody that can make up all your, your shirts and the, um, he's got a, an artist on, on staff there that's able to draw up pretty much anything that you could want. So y'all be sure and, uh, hit him up. Pricing was, was great. Uh, I have no complaints there either. So just want to give him a shout out and really thank him for, for the work that they were able to do for us. But anyways, yeah, y'all, uh, you know, if you're interested in one of the shirts, go ahead and go to our Facebook page, shoot me a message, Instagram page, shoot me a message, uh, and I'll be able to, to get those out to you pretty quick. They're going fast. So if you're, you know, you're interested in getting in on, on this first round of shirts, just let us know. But anyway, well, uh, for those of you, we have a lot of new followers to the show, a lot of new followers on Facebook and Instagram. And I just really kind of wanted to jump on and, and give a, give just a welcome to everybody started this podcast. I was really just wanting to take the conversations that I've had throughout my career at the kitchen table with uh, different crew members for over a decade now. And I just really want to take that pretty much to a large scale and, and use this podcast to, to talk about problems and solutions for, for guys that, you know, they may not necessarily have an answer to at this time or, or have anybody that they can reach out and talk to. I know a lot of the stuff that we talk about is sometimes controversial, but the reality is, is the fire services is, is not all, you know, cake and ice cream, even though we do eat some of that late at night and we shouldn't, but it, it's not always easy. You know, a lot of guys have struggles outside of the fire service in in their personal lives. Uh, there's a million issues and concerns and however you want to put it that take place throughout your career everything from promotions and, and leadership issues. One of the biggest things that I'm seeing here lately is just um, everywhere you look, it's a massive lack of, of true, strong leadership. Uh, I believe in part that is due to the rapid growth of paid firefighters, career firefighters throughout the country. Um, we've been seeing for years now the decline in volunteer numbers, but the demand going up. You know, that's nothing, nothing on the volunteers. It's just, it is what it is. Whenever people are no longer able to survive on just working a 40 hour work week, it's really hard for them to dedicate Saturdays and Sundays or, you know, 24 hour shifts to go to trainings and, and be able to go and staff the station voluntarily. Whenever people are working their regular 40 hour work week, then sometimes they got to work more just to pay for, for the regular lives. And that's been, been the trend going now for, uh, at least the last 15, 20 years. And it's been growing plus areas that were used to be rural areas and, and a lot of pastures and woods and whatnot, you know, all that's developing and you have tons of neighborhoods being, being built pretty much overnight, just the overall demand, the call volume and everything nationwide is going up and there's just not enough volunteers to go around. That's, that's just the facts. So career fire departments are popping up. You have ESDs popping up and so the demand, the staffing is going through the roof, which is great for us. But at the same time, that creates a huge issue as far as for who's going to take promotions, who's going to you know move up to the ne that next spot, whether it's driver, whether it's captain, lieutenant, the, even the chief's positions. I, I know that we've touched on a little bit. I've had a couple of guests on and we've talked about leadership and whatnot, but that's something that I'm pretty passionate about. I must say I'm, I'm proud of a lot of the, the things that I did throughout my career as far as in, in a leadership perspective. I did promote at a young age, and my reasons for that were not 100% uh, for the right reasons, but I, I was definitely ready for the position when I took it. I know that I'm not the only one, but basically – I was I was an EO, I was an engine operator driving, was fine with that position, but then you start looking at who's going to be taking captain's positions and you're like, man, I don't I don't know if that person if I want to drive that person. So, you know, that's really what got me got me interested in even taking the, the my first captain's test and all that. So, end up promoting I believe I was 26, 27 years old, I've been in since I was 18. So, I mean, that's a pretty young age to be taking over a uh, officer position. But I was able to make it work, went and did a lot of training, 
read a lot of books, really poured into the job because I really wanted to do it for the right reasons. And I wanted to be good and I wanted to, to be a strong leader and, you know, not be viewed as uh, somebody that, that promoted for the wrong reasons. So I have to say, I'm really proud. One of my former firefighters who had reached out to me probably six months ago. And I mean, he's been a firefighter for a long time now. He was a rookie under me back in 2016, 2017. Uh, he ended up, you know, moving to senior pipeman position, just overall badass, 100% badass. He was the guy that you wanted on a crew when it came down to fourth century. If you needed some muscle, he, he was it and did a phenomenal job. And then, of course, moved on, went to another department and, and has had a great career there. Really proud of him for that. But he reached out to me about six months ago, and he was basically asking what I thought about him promoting. And, you know, I immediately told him I thought that he was more than ready because he was. He, truth be told, he should have promoted years ago with the current climate that I've been seeing of some of the people that are promoting. But he's very, very humble about his abilities and, you know, whether he thought he was ready for the position, whether he thought that it would be a good idea for him to go ahead and take you know, take the test and all that. So he talked to me and he talked to several other guys asking their opinions, the people that he had worked for. And I believe, you know, all of us had a general, general consensus that yes, man, you're ready. You need to go ahead and do this. And it got me to thinking, and I've talked about it a little bit before about promoting for the wrong reasons, but it got me to thinking about all the people that, that don't necessarily know. They just know that that's the next step for them. Say they're a firefighter and the next step is a driver. And the department's in a staffing crisis, as everyone is. So you have basically the chief breathing down your neck. You need to take this test. You need to take this test. You need to take this test. And maybe you're not ready. Maybe you want to stay in your position. I know a lot of the larger departments, guys can ride firefighter for 30 years if that's what they want to do. But these smaller departments, you know, eight stations and less, the the growth is so fast, they can't staff. So there's a lot of people that are being forced to take driver positions and officer positions that that may not exactly be what they want to do or, you know, they just flat ass don't have a choice. So I kind of wanted to address that a little bit because I see it becoming a trend for a lot of departments that I, I talk to people that work there and everything like that. My personal opinion, I think it's okay to say no. You know, if it pisses the chief off, it pisses the chief off. I'm sorry, but when you start promoting, there's a lot of issues that really need to be running through your mind on what the consequences could be for your decisions when you take those positions. Yes, it's it's badass to promote. It's it's you know it's a great feeling for one. It's a it's a huge accomplishment in your career to promote. But if it's not something that you feel that you are promoting to be able to better serve your crew, then it's not something that you need to do. You know, if you're if you're a senior firefighter and you've taught your crew, you've brought all them up, you should you should teach the people under you, no matter what rank you are, you should teach the people under you to be better than you at your job. You teach them everything they can about their job. You teach everything you can about your job to them. And then you start teaching them everything about the position above you. So that way they know, and they can literally, you know, step up to those different positions. And it should be the same for your leadership. The people that are above you, they should be teaching you their job and the position above them. Once, you know, you become completely able to do all of that, that's whenever you build an amazing team. I know that there's a lot of chiefs out there and a lot of officers out there that aren't looking at it that way. It's all about, well, I can get the power, I can get the control, and I'm able to basically kind of keep these people at bay because I know more than them. And you never will be able to build a badass team where everyone performs without even thinking about it with that kind of mentality. My personal reasons why I think that that is the case of most of these officers and chiefs and stuff like that that have that role is because they're job scared. For one, they probably promoted before they were ready. They either promoted for the money or they pr promoted for the clout. 
And then now, because someone underneath them is potentially better than them, they got to keep them at bay. Uh, that's just a that's a bottom line fact. Uh, I, I'm not gonna, <laughs> I'm not even gonna accept any other reason for some people because I know that's what's going on. Uh, there's there's just a million reasons why I don't agree with that. That's what you know. I I don't know what all the different leadership styles that they're calling now but whenever i was really diving in reading leadership books that's what you call an informative leader someone that basically lets you know just enough where you can get by with your job but you can't get by with their job they keep you at bay because they know more than you and that should never be your that should never be your mentality that should never be any way of looking at at a leadership position and I think that's happening a lot. I don't 100% have um, a real way to fix that besides just say stop. You know, what's more important to you? Do you want to be a winning team? Do you want to have a badass crew? If you're a chief, do you want to have a badass department as a whole where everybody kicks ass? Or do you just want to look good and have your, you know, your name at the forefront of everything and fuck everybody else? I know that a lot of guys out there, that's they don't give a shit. They want to be the MVP, and they don't care about anybody else on the team. But I'm here to tell you, when it comes in, your ass is is on the line in a fire, the team is what saves your ass, not your damn MVP plaque on the wall. That's just a fact of life. Everybody knows the Chicago Bulls were the most badass team ever. Yeah, they had Michael Jordan, but he built the team. And you think if he knew ways for you know to beat this this player on this team – you know, you go left instead of go right. He can't defend to his left, blah, 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 all that. He told every single player on his team, this is what you do because he wanted to win. There's a lot of people out there that don't think about stuff like that. You know, if softball season is kicking up with, with the kids right now, and so I'm no longer coaching, but all the years that I did coach, one of the biggest things for me, I, I never focused in on a single player. I didn't care who that specific player was, who their mom and daddy were, any of that bullshit. We played the best player played in the best position for what their talents were, and we taught everybody that it was about the team. That was always my mentality. Everything was about the team. It should never be about I. And I don't know how in the fire service, that's not really basically common sense at this point. I don't know if it's because of our hiring process right now is all about, you know, scores and me, me, me. I got to be the top to even get this position. I'm not really sure where we've kind of gone off the tracks of teamwork, but we definitely have in a lot of aspects because the the team mindset is not there in every single crew. You know, RJ touched on it a little bit in uh, in the last podcast with him about chasing dreams. He talked about the clicks in the fire service. Well, that is definitely – not helping the situation when you, you know, if you're an officer, you're a chief or anything like that, and you have your boys, your little, your crew, your little clique, and that's all you care about. And it's basically, you know, you only want those people to promote. You don't, you, you want to keep your clique in intact or whatever, however you want to look at it. And they're the only ones that you care about. Then that just fucks the whole department. Bottom line, that fucks the whole department. And that that's happening in a lot of places. You know, we can sit here and post all the shit on Facebook about leadership and leaders and managers and all. I mean, it's literally, you know, I post it. Every other damn firefighter podcast out there posts the shit about leadership. But at the end of the day, we're sitting here and it's still the same shit is happening. So, you know, you can post, you can talk about it, you can try to teach. But the bottom line is, is a lot of these people that are at the top, they're not either, they don't give a fuck because, I mean, for one, most of them, they don't they don't care what we have to say. But the next generation coming in, you know, myself, my my age group, and then everybody younger, we're going to replace them. They're, they're out the door in the next 10 years. They're out the fucking door. Either they're going to die working at the fire station because they won't go home because they're too damn old, or eventually their health or whatever, they're, they're eventually going to have to go. And the reason why myself and I think a lot of others in in my generation of firefighter are preaching this stuff so hard is because we want our generation and younger to understand that that shit's not okay. That 
being all about yourself, being a shit leader, only caring about your numbers and your pension and taking care of your boys, promoting them to those chief positions without making them test. You know, it, it happens all the time. You see it where places there'll be a, a, a chief's test for this group of people, but whenever such and such applies, they don't have to test. And this is, of course, for non-civil service departments, but there's there's a lot of those out there right now with all the ESDs, and that's specifically who I'm talking about right now. But you see that shit all the time. They'll be, oh, well, such and such didn't have to test for their position, but the very next term when it rolls around, now we got to hold a test. Well, all that is is I wanted to take care of my boy and fuck all y'all. That that is bottom line what that means. And if you you know you don't agree with that, then you're probably guilty of doing that. And it is what it is on that. We can't control what every single fire chief out there does or or any kind of leadership. But the fact that you see it day in and day out of people posting and talking about leadership and and the lack of and what a good leader is. There there's some badass chiefs out there right now that are a little bit older than me that are traveling doing a lot of this training on leadership and everything like that. And they are trying to fix the culture because they know it's wrong. They, you know, they're trying to get a hold of it before they roll into those top chief spots. Some of, you know, district chiefs like chief Mo Davis, he's traveling all over talking about this shit. He sees it. He, he is 100% knows what it's like at Houston fire department. Whenever guys, because the assistant chief positions are appointed instead of tested, Guys are putting in those positions just strictly because of who they are. No thing to do with their abilities or anything like that. And But then everyone else that's at the tested level or, or has to test for a position is held to a different standard. And that all goes back to the fire service clicks. Now, tying that in with what we're doing as far as for firefighters and for the next generation and how the leadership, you know, being – that informative leader being that controlling leader, however you want to put it. One of the biggest things for that is, is used to the fire service was all about critical thinking skills and being able to problem solve. So I remember whenever I was in fire Academy, one of the things that the guys would tell us, you know, the the people that were instructors, all the, the cadre and all that stuff. One of the biggest things that they would tell us is the best firefighters are the ones that have a mechanical aptitude, which means they have a basic knowledge of being able to work on stuff, whether it's, you know, electrical or plumbing or knowing building construction. They basically taken the blue collar aspect of the fire service. Cause bottom line is we can try to, we can try to law office this shit to death, which is what's happening with policies and procedures and all these chiefs that don't have a fucking clue about what goes on on a fire ground, but they know how to write a million policies to try to restrict you from doing your job and making it a freaking law office. Cause we're seeing that everywhere. That is not the fire service. At the end of the day, the fire service is getting dirty, getting wet, getting sweaty, getting nasty, that is what it is. So it used to be a huge point for firefighters to be strong in mechanical aptitude, knowing how to read gauges. I mean, shit, an EO, that's a huge percentage of the of the job is being able to read gauges, right? We all know that. Being able to do basic level math on the fly. I mean, every single bit of that. So being able to do all those things and knowing how to think was a huge part of being a firefighter, that was damn near a prerequisite. You had to have common sense and know how to problem solve to get through stuff, how to critically think to get through stuff. It was on you, even day one rookie, it was on you to have to think. Well, somehow, I don't I don't know the timeline or anything like that, don't get me wrong, but we've transitioned into more of a fire service that just expects firefighters to do exactly as you're told. You are told what to think and taught what to think rather than taught how to think, which is absolutely unacceptable because every policy in the world, every damn chief's meeting, whatever, anything like that in the world can't tell you how to get your ass out of a bind in that dark-ass hallway. It can't tell you how you need to think through a problem whenever you've lost your water supply, you're standing there and you got guys inside and you're trying to pump and you're trying to figure out what's going on. 
That's when your critical thinking skills, okay, shit, I need to check this. Okay, now I need to go check that. Okay, go walk to the back of the pumper and see if some asshole ran over the damn five inch. That That is critical thinking to get yourself through the problem, not I'm going to tell you exactly how to dress. I'm going to tell you exactly when you need to wipe your own ass, blah, 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 all these different things. But that's that informative, controlling leadership style that we have seen constantly for the last 10, 15 years at a lot of departments. That's the disconnect. That's where we're losing people. That's why people are getting out of the fire service because it's so toxic, for lack of better words. It's so absolute toxic that you can't go to work and, for one, be yourself. For two, be able to think and learn and evolve and grow because you literally have everything pressing down on you by these controlling ass leaders that have to keep you at bay for fear of their own jobs. Now that goes at every single rank. We see senior firefighters that they came in underneath this, I'm going to tell you how to think and what to think way of operating. Now they have rookies coming underneath them that are thinking you know, coming in excited. Maybe they went to an academy like mine where it was a full on, full deal boot camp based academy where you're literally you're taught. You're taught how to do the damn job. This is not just, you know, a, a buy it online type certification where you come in, you don't know jack shit. Some of these people that are going to some badass academies out there, they come in knowing how to do the job. And you better watch it because they might know how to do the job better than you. Just because you've been there for six, seven months doesn't mean that this person doesn't know more than you. Sorry, that's just a fact of life. I understand that in the fire service, we have the, you know, the tradition of the rookie bullshit. But at the end of the day, when it's somebody's life on the line or somebody's property is on the line, the rookie bullshit really doesn't matter. If that, if that person coming in has information or has you know stronger abilities, then you need to utilize that to make the team win. This, this insane culture that we have right now of shut the fuck up, you don't know anything, I'm going to tell you exactly what to think. It's really becoming to a point now where, where we're so we're, – we're hurting ourselves is detrimental to our careers because the people at the top that are necessarily pushing it down saying, I'm going to tell you what to think. Don't know that much themselves because if they did know the job and knew the risk of the job and the reality of the job, they would accept any forms of help. They would accept any talents, any skills that anybody is going to be bringing to the table. You know, one thing that uh, whenever Chief Sean Black was on the show and, and we talked about that when he took his battalion chief position, that was one of the biggest things for him is he wanted to utilize everyone on his entire shift, their skills and abilities. Because you had people that literally come from every single walk of life and those different things, no matter what the scene is, no matter what the incident is, no matter what the scenario is, somebody on your damn shift probably knows more than you. Regardless of how many fucking bugles you have on your chest, somebody probably knows more than you. Like, you know, he's told me before, he made a huge, huge ass uh, commercial fire at a big ass sawmill, massive place, right? Uh, just a nightmare for, for a newly promoted battalion chief, really. But he knew that one of the firefighters on his shift, not captains, not EOs, the firefighters on his shift used to work at that sawmill. So he brought him in, put him under his wing, put him in the damn flight car with him. He's in the command post with him, and he's helping run the scene because when the people that work at the sawmill, when the operators at the sawmill are coming and saying, hey, we got fire in the such and such, he don't know what the hell they're talking about, but guess what? His firefighter does. He knows exactly what building that was. He knows exactly what piece of equipment that was that was on fire, everything like that, and that's called utilizing your team to win. That's not an informative leader that's ate up with himself that only cares about, I got to protect my power and make sure that everyone stays at bay. I hope that makes sense to everybody because that's about by far the best example that I can use of how to utilize people's prior experiences 
to make you win. I mean, that you put the fire out, you win. You save that life, you win. What damn difference does it make when you get back to the station and you pat yourself on the back, but then, you know, somebody died or somebody lost their house, somebody lost whatever, but you kept it, by God, that you showed them firefighters, you showed them you know everything. That's not how you win. The reality is we're seeing that day in and day out. We're seeing that all the time. Uh, and I just... I want to get ahead of the curve. I want to try to make sure that that this next generation of firefighters coming in, the next generation of officers coming in, the next generation of chiefs coming in, they understand that basically the example that we're being shown right now is absolutely not okay and not how how it should be done. It's not how it was done back in the day. You know, 20, 30 years ago, if you were a badass, then you were a badass. The badass is promoted. But we went through a transition where people were able to promote and this, that, and the other with the growth, all this. And, you know, now it is what it is. You know, to me, something that's extremely important with all of this is all of us go to PRs. We all have have gone, done the birthday parties and, you know, gone and done the fire prevention at the schools and everything like that, where you see these kids, everything from pre-K, 3K, all the way up elementary school, all that stuff. And every single one of them look up to the firefighters. No matter what community you come from, in the city, in the country, no matter what, everybody loves the firefighters. And most little kids at some point in their life, they want to be a firefighter. That's that's their dream job. You know, you, you hear people even adults and stuff that say if they had to do over again, they would have, they would have chased their dreams and became a firefighter, but they got caught up, you know, doing blah, 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 whatever. So this used to be, you know, it is a dream job. And it used to be for a lot of us when we were younger, you know, I wanted to be a firefighter my whole life. And that's what I did. I chased that dream and made it happen. I wanted to be a captain, wanted to be a captain at a fire department. I got my red hat and I did it and it's absolutely awesome. But at some point we kind of taken a turn from it being remembered. Now I'm not talking about everybody because there's a lot of people out there. I know that y'all are living your dream and you're absolutely loving the job and it's it, you love every single minute of it. And that's badass. But for the people out there that have one, you know, one aspect of this, the people that are, that are in leadership style positions, I shouldn't even call them leaders because they're really genuinely not. The managers and the bosses that have been able to infiltrate, for other, for lack of better words, infiltrate the fire service and become bosses in fire chief positions are absolutely turning this job from being a dream to just making you another number like you're just in corporate America. And I'm sorry, but in corporate America... You're not risking your life to save somebody else's life. You're not risking your life to save somebody else's property or their animals or anything like that. But guess what? In this business, in the fire service, we are. That is what you sign up to do. You sign up to risk your life for all those reasons. And no matter what we do, until the day they completely replace us with robots, that will be this job. And as the bosses and stuff want to try to change it, they want, you know, they want to do all this different things. A lot of times they make you feel like you're just a number. I've been guilty of that, you know, or not guilty, but I've been a victim of that where it's literally, you just, you're just another number. It doesn't matter how badass of an officer you are. It doesn't matter how badass of a firefighter that you are. Your tactical and operational abilities really don't mean shit to certain individuals. They don't care because they don't see it that way. They don't see the fire service as a dream job. They don't because it wasn't a dream job to them. Getting in power was the dream to them. That is their dream. Being able to hold the cards and basically have the ability to either A, take your livelihood B, tell you no, I'm not going to let you promote, whatever, whatever those, those different aspects are. That's their dream. 
is the control, the power, all that. But that doesn't mean that it has to be your dream. You know, you want to be a firefighter, then be a firefighter. Don't ever let anyone tell you that this job isn't what it is. It is the most noble, I've said it multiple times, it's the most noble profession in the world is being a firefighter. To me, serving your actual community and running the risk of having to save either a family member or a friend or somebody that you personally know and possibly you know, risking your life and dying to save that person you know, that is by far the most noble thing that you can do. Um, and so for anybody that's, you know, able to, or anybody that wants to try to change that and take that honor, nobility and everything and, and turn this job from being a dream job into just another corporate America bullshit, you know, this is, this is the culture that we need to change. This is one thing that with this podcast I want to do. I want the people that are truly in love with this job and have truly, you know, dreamed about being a firefighter their whole life or, you know, it's something they were introduced to later in life and they were just absolutely amazed by it and dove dove in 100%. That's that's the people that we need to have running the show. Basically, that's the people that we need to have taking those positions, you know, be like my friend that's, you know, the one that just promoted, just promoted to an EO position. He's very humble. Like I said, he's very humble in his position, but he wants to promote for the right reasons. He wants to promote to build his crew up better. And he finally felt like he was at the position where he knew his job and had taught everyone on his crew their jobs to the best of his ability. And now he's wanting to move into that next role to learn it and become, you know, as good as he possibly can at it. And in that officer role, because that's the next step for him is start riding the seat, having to ride up whenever his officer's off work and everything like that. So, you know, he's having to now learn a position, but then learn the one above him, like we talked about. But then in the process of teaching everyone on his crew, the information and the abilities that he has as he moves. So it creates a huge tidal wave amongst that crew and then scattering out across their shift at that department, which as that grows, you know, then other people on that shift promote, they take positions on other shifts. Now you're bringing the whole department is coming up. And if you have a bunch of like-minded people that all see it for what it is like that, see leadership in that aspect and see leadership for what it truly is. And it's not control, but you see it for what it truly is. And it's your ability to make the team win. Everyone around you win then you bring the whole damn department up and everything comes up. And all it starts is just with one person. You know, you hear all the time about how people, you know, RJ talked about it for one. That's that's a prime example. People will start on a fitness journey to make themselves better, right? Especially in the fire service because we are all, most of us are all competition driven. RJ gets out there, starts jump roping and working out every day on shift. Well, his crew starts taking notice and they're like, well, shit, he's working out. Maybe we need to work out. And it just creates this little tidal wave. And now they're working out as a crew. They're doing all that and they're bringing it up. Well, you think about that. We see that when it comes to all the people that are out there putting out badass podcasts and trainings and all this stuff on tactics and operational shit. We're seeing that is coming up a lot. The amount of conferences that are going on uh, nationwide have Pretty much, they've all 10X'd for, for the last probably five years. I mean, I'm seeing it everywhere. Um, like I talked about Chief Mo Davis and, and that whole group of guys, they're traveling everywhere. There's other people, Kurt Isaacson. I've never been to one of his trainings, but I do follow him on social media a little bit, and he's getting booked up and booked up and making more and more trainings all, all across the nation. And you see this hunger amongst all firefighters to want to get on that tidal wave and ride and just everybody grow as far as on a tactical aspect. Well, the leadership stuff is the same way. It's the exact same way. Whenever people are doing proper leadership techniques within their crew, that's how you teach people that this is how it's done. That's what I'm doing with this podcast. It, that That is truly what I'm, or I'm attempting to do. I hope you are all taking it that way is I'm taking what I know as far as my leadership style and trying to teach it to all you so that you can take 
all of these and do them amongst your crew. And when you promote, you use all the information that you gather, build your leadership style that's in a healthy and and good direction, and you boost your crew. And then it just ripple effects and goes everywhere. I mean, that's that's how we make a change, and that's exactly what we're doing. I'm getting messages from people across the nation telling me that you know they got into the fire service either at a little later in life couple of them had a career before one guy in particular he used to be a nurse so he was used to corporate america style you know because <clears throat> that's basically what working in a hospital is it is corporate america but that style of leadership that style of working environment everything like that and now he's transitioned into the fire service because that was his dream job that's what he wanted to do and so he's coming with this experience of not necessarily the best leadership and managerial top environment and coming in the fire service. And he was telling me how listening to the podcast, he really got enlightened on what basically the traditions of the fire service are. So it's really been helping him, but that's basically what I'm wanting from this. And if all of you start going and, you know, taking, taking what little bit of information that I can give you and putting that into your own crews, whether you are an officer, whether you're a senior firefighter or whatever, if you're a rookie firefighter, then take this information and soak it up and start building your leadership style because you don't have to have bugles on your chest to be a leader. I think that's a that's a misconception that a lot of people have with this uh, current culture of I'm going to tell you what to think. I'm not going to teach you how to think. I'm going to tell you what to think. That's kind of going hand in hand with that. I hope that really breaks it down to a simple level where people understand they don't want you rookies to know how to think and start building your own leadership style and start kind of helping and contributing. But if you'll start doing that now and you'll start building kind of what you want to do, take the examples from people that you see that you have a massive connection with that are teaching you a shitload. Take all those examples and put that in your toolbox. And then if there's a fucking douchebag that works on your crew or at your department, take that shit and put it in your toolbox and say, I'm never going to fucking do that. If I promote, I will never act that way. I will never treat people. I did that multiple times. So I worked for some sure, serious asshole chiefs that I swore to God that if I ever made rank of any capacity, I would never say that or do that to a crew member. That's part of it. That's part of learning. That's part of making your leadership style. But as long as you are moving up and and making your leadership style about making the team better and making the crew better, then that is truly what you need to do. So just start working on that. You know, if you're an officer and maybe you haven't been doing shit the right way, it's never too late. It's never too late to start trying to move in a, in a, in a healthy direction. You know, maybe you did get caught up in the rat race of, you know, I made captain, the chief's been breathing down my neck. He wants me to do this, this, and this. And I don't necessarily agree with that shit. I don't think that it's right for my crew, but I got to do this stuff to keep my job. Well, no, you don't. You don't. Trust me. <laughs> uh, been down that road. It happens. It sucks. But guess what? These are the United States of America, and there's a million damn jobs out there. There's a million jobs out there. Yes, it may not be ideal, but bottom line is, is if you want to claim I asked on my uh, on the Facebook page the other day, you know, how many people have some form of the word honor put in their patch, and I got a huge response from that. A lot of people saying, you know, yes, we do, yes, you do, yes, you do. Well, honor means you're doing the right thing when no one's looking. Honor means sticking to your word when no one's looking. So if you want to claim or you want to represent any capacity of the word honor or you want to be in this profession – where honor is literally what we're built on, then accepting the consequences of doing the right thing is just part of the job. That's just absolutely part of it. Whether you piss off somebody, whether you know the chief don't like you anymore, you're not chief's boy anymore, whatever, that's just part of it. But you now are in a position to make your crew win. And what's more important? Having a winning crew that performs, that protects the community, or yourself? protecting yourself and protecting your status and position. What's more important? Because if you deep down, I know y'all aren't going to say this out loud, but if deep down you're saying, well, I care more about, you know, keeping a job, care more about being able to pay my bills. than I care, you know, 
how good my crew is, then bottom line is this job is not for you. I'm sorry. It's not. This job is not for you. This profession is not for you. And you holding a leadership capacity position at all whatsoever, it's not for you at this time. And that's not saying, you know, down the line, you may mature a little bit. You may have an epiphany. You may whatever. You, it could be a great position for you at that time. But this current moment, if if deep down you're concerned about yourself and you're in an officer-style position of any any capacity and you only genuinely care about yourself and your paycheck, then you're in it for the wrong reasons. So that's just a fact. No matter how you look at it, no matter how you cut it, no matter who it pisses off, that is the bottom line truth. So that's something I want everybody to really, really think about and kind of break down. I know that's a lot of information all kind of at once as far as for, you know, the leadership side of it, the uh, how we're treating and bringing firefighters in the culture that we have built that we're bringing them into. It really drastically needs to take a change from teaching people and telling them what to think and teaching people how to think, how to critically think, teaching them to make decisions, make proper proper and ethical decisions for what the job really is, which what this job is at the end of the day, no matter how you cut it down, what this job is, is about protecting the community, right? On the last show, I talked about tax dollars and how today's fire service at a lot of departments were hurting the taxpayer, which in turn hurts us uh, because if we piss off the taxpayers, they're not going to show up on election day. That's just a fact. They're not going to vote to approve. They're, they're not going to put city council people in positions to approve our pay raises. They're not going to put city council people in positions to approve our new stations, our new trucks. All the shit that we need and want, if you piss off the taxpayers because they feel like you're wasting their money and you're not there for them, they're not going to come out to support you. I don't, I don't see where the disconnect is. It's a very, very simple it's a very simple thing, but I think a lot of people are, are just riding a high horse on, well, they're always just going to be there. The community is always going to, no, they won't always support you. And there's a lot of communities out there that are starting to question the integrity and the honor and the ethics of the fire service as a whole. It's happening nationwide. I see articles come out. I mean, I really study this because this is what I'm passionate about. I want to fix that problem. Because the community is tr genuinely and truly what we are here for. Bottom line, you're here to risk your life to save their life. You're here to risk your life to save their property, their animals, their family. You are here for that. You're not here for yourself. That's why it's called public service. It's that simple. I've told y'all a million times, I, you know, I'm a pretty simple guy and everything like that, but it is that simple, 100% that simple. And for some reason, that doesn't, those dots don't can get connected to a lot of people, but that's what we're here to fix. Anyways, guys, that's, uh, that's all I have to say for today as, as far as the leadership and, and trying to, you know, tie all this in together, basically what my goal is, is is just to remind everybody that this is a dream job. A lot of us dreamed about our entire lives of being firefighters, and there is a lot of people, a lot of kids out there, millions of people, that from the time that they're old enough to even see a firefighter drive down the road in a fire truck to you know all the way being an adult and already having another career, and they decide to come into this business. This is a dream job, and don't let any any people, whether they're in a boss or a manager position, take that joy from you. Don't let anybody tell you that that's not the case because it is. You know, we have got to get back in a mentality and a culture of accepting rookies that come in and are able to bring something to the table, that are able to critically think, that are able to understand, you know, basic mechanical abilities of being a blue collar worker, whether it's even mowing the grass, knowing how to run lawnmower and a weed eater and all that stuff. A lot of people aren't growing up being taught how to do that stuff anymore just because of the change of the country. And people are living, you know, in more of apartment style homes than houses and everything like that. So we have to bring these people in and teach them 
that these are the things that you're going to be doing. These are the things, this is how you need to think. This is, you need to be able to process all this stuff and use your common sense and put all these different items together and, and critically think through different processes, you know, start off in, in non-emergency style thought processes like mowing, teaching people how to mow, teaching people how to run a weed eater and all that kind of stuff. The simple stuff you hear the older guys about us bitching all the time that millennials don't know how to do and the new generation don't know how to do. Well, we don't know how to do it because that generation didn't teach anybody. They wanted to hold everything and hold all the power and then bitch about what you didn't you didn't know how to do. That's genuinely what's happened. So we need to kind of change that mindset and get people back in the process of learning how to think so that they can get themselves out of a bind, but so that they can also make sure that the team wins. So anyways, well, I, uh, I just want to continue to thank everybody for all the, all the growth on Facebook, Instagram, all that. Just it's, it's been absolutely phenomenal. The, the followers and everything like that are, are going through the roof. Just it, it's absolutely amazing. To hear, to hear your stories out there, the people that have reached out, sent me messages and everything like that. I just want y'all to know, I, I really do take all that to heart. I appreciate the support. I think it's absolutely awesome that we're, we're touching so many lives and people. And I'm going to continue to put these shows out. I'm going to continue doing my part. Y'all, uh, you know, follow us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, share, share the shows, share the memes, anything that you can, you know, put out there. That's our content, getting the word out and everything like that. I 100% appreciate it. Go to uh, you know our Facebook page, Instagram, and order the shirts. We have the Third Alarm Cowboys podcast shirt. And then we also, of course, have the uh, Condemned Saint, RJ Nipps boxing shirt. And those are available right now. I will uh, you know keep those in stock best I can. I'll just have to continuously make orders. We keep selling like we are. But um, we got some more shirts coming out. We got about three or four more designs that I'm working on right now, just basically having to move the inventory, you know, to generate the revenue to be able to do that. Because hey, I'm just like y'all. I'm you know I'm a fireman too. I don't have a huge ass bank account like I'm out here, you know, working for the freaking cartels or some shit. So, so y'all just go ahead and keep sharing the show, and we'll see y'all in the next one. Like a said, outlaw.